0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Lit Bay Podcast where I get way too excited about books and audio voice actors. I'm your host, Kerwin. This is season two, episode one, part two. We're gonna get right into the word of the day where I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna spell it, I'm gonna define it, I'm gonna use it in a sentence and I'm gonna try to use it throughout the episode and I'm gonna encourage you to use it in your life if you want, if you so choose. So our word of the day is ubiquitous. It is u i t o u s it means existing or being everywhere at the same time or constantly encountered. My sentence is at the beginning of quarantine, my roommate and I were constantly in very ubiquitous situations. All right, moving on. So the first book that I read in August is You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria. The voice actor is Seraphine Valentine or Valentine. Why are you saying Valentine? It's Seraphine Valentine. She did a great job. The voices were on point. Um, The the points of the book where I needed it to be hot and steamy, she delivered. She did what needed to be done. Shout out to you, Seraphine. So we follow Jasmine Rodriguez. She is a famous soap opera star. She's going through a public messy breakup and she returns home to NYC from LA. She returns to NYC to start a bilingual romantic comedy and um you know with the breakup and everything her and her cousins come up with the leading lady plan so basically it just means like you know i don't need a man like a man does i don't have to prioritize men right now that kind of thing like it's very just like independent woman vibes that's what the leading lady plan was so everything was going according to plan until she met her co-star Ashton Suarez ashton is a telenovela star uh he's also kind of seen as like a one-trick pony He's afraid that his career is almost dead and he takes this job as a way to kind of like do something new and prove to his uh, prove to his fans that, you know, I, I got other things up my sleeve. I'm not a one trick pony. So yeah, he's trying to support his family and he has a big secret that he doesn't want the tabloids to get a hold of. Both of their careers are like on the line right now. And obviously, you know, they fall for each other it's hot and steamy and there was also a theme of consent which you know I'm here for and I was just really impressed that on set in the book there was an intimacy coordinator that was hired and they choreographed like the intimate moments between the two between everyone on set so I was or you know the actors acting on set so I thought that that was just fabulous. So next up was The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. The voice actor was Sean Taylor Corbett. Phenomenal narration. Comedic timing was on point. When shit got real, he set the spooky vibes once again. So I have no complaints. He did a great job narrating this uh, audiobook. So The Only Good Indians follows four indigenous men who are also best friends. They do a really bad thing on some sacred land. And the entity that they disturbed and hurt is out for revenge. So they start picking them off one by one. And I just think that this book is perfect for spooky season that's coming up. It's cold. You're going to want to get your hot beverage, you want to feel a little thrilled and want to feel a little horror, you know, horror vibes. This is the book for you. The book is definitely a horror, psychological thriller with some commentary on like race and, and like from the indigenous experience, I would say. And then one thing I will say is please check the trigger warnings before you read it. I did not. And I was Horrified. Uh, But I really did enjoy the book. I wish I would have just like got a heads up on the trigger warnings. That's all I have to say. But yeah, that was my fault. So yeah, (laughs) check the trigger warnings. But I thought this book was great. Um, I'm going to actually reread it because I thought it was that damn good. So yeah. So next up, I read Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner, who is also Japanese Breakfast. Their latest album, Jubilee, was released in June 2021. They have the perfect opening track, which is Paprika. Um, I also really enjoy Be Sweet, which has a very cute video. It's an ode to the X-Files, actually. Um, I also really enjoy Slide Tackle and Posing for Cars, which I put on my yoga playlist. Um, a co-worker put me onto their song Boyish, and the video is very adorable. Highly recommend checking that out. While reading this book, I decided to listen to their entire discography, and I was not disappointed. I love indie music, and I think that Michelle is just a very talented human. Um her voice is different and I really I really enjoy it. So yeah, um I recommend checking out their album Psychopomp and Soft Sounds from Another Planet. This book, going back to the book. <laughs> it's a memoir. Um it's about Michelle growing up as a biracial person in Eugene, Oregon. She is Korean and white and it's, you know, her journey with dealing with grief from loss of a parent. And attempting to still connect with her Korean side after her mom's passing. So Michelle talks about food, identity, culture, and race. And it brought up so much for me. Um, I really enjoyed it. I don't usually go for memoirs. But this one I was very excited about. And I really enjoyed the cover as well. So I was like, oh yeah, I want to read this. So yeah. Glad I read it. If you're into memoirs, this this could be it for you. This could be the one. This could be the one. Next, I read A Little Devil in America by Hanif Adurakib. Uh, the voice actor was J.D. Jackson. Shout out to you. Um, This is a book of essays on Black performance throughout history. It discusses the many phases of Blackface, um, activism in music. I learned a lot more about Josephine Baker's story. And also it talked about, like, the Dave Chappelle show and why it was so, like, important to black people and you know how white people also perceive the show and there there was a lot going on but yeah um I really enjoyed this book I actually want to get it uh, in physical book form and read it again and just like make notes and highlight the things that really stood out to me because it was it covered a lot of things It was very in-depth I would say this was a very very good obviously it's a non-fiction hello um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the book and I think you will too. And then my last read of August was The Push by Ashley Adrain, um, another cool book for spooky season. So it follows Blythe Connor, who is determined to be the perfect mom. In the early days of motherhood, she doesn't feel connected to her baby and starts to pick up on some peculiar behavior from her daughter, Violet. Um, I would also like to point out that her husband was hella gaslighty during this entire thing and didn't love it. It's also like a generational piece. So we learn about Blythe's mom and her mom's mom struggle with like motherhood as well. And some of the consequences that just like kind of came through, came through the generational line, if you will. Um, but yeah, this book brought up themes around, you know, women choosing children over their jobs gender roles in relationships, the changes in relationships from being married with no children to bringing children into the equation, feeling jealous of the baby's connection to the other parent. I thought the book was disturbing, chilling, thrilling. Um, Also, check the trigger warnings before reading. I liked it, and I couldn't put it down. Also, I got this book from the library, so holla at your girl for getting the library card. Um, What I will say also, I feel like if you have like a young child at this time or like you're pregnant i and like you don't usually read like psychological thrillers i don't think you should read this i don't think you should read this unless until your children like until your children turn 30 then you can read this i feel like this could be disturbing check the trigger warnings that's okay yeah check the trigger warnings because i'm like i don't have children so maybe i don't know and maybe y'all will be okay but like don't don't try to sit up here and drag me because you said, oh, you didn't tell. Yeah, I did. I told you. Check the trigger warnings. And now a word from a sponsor. And the sponsor is me. Um, I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Listening is not only a great life skill, but a great way to support this podcast. Live Pod is available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public please feel free to share my episodes with any readers that you may know. Another great way to support is to donate monetarily by either Cash App or Venmo. Both of my handles are at LitBayPod. In the show notes, I have added my affiliate and referral links to some book things that I use and I would love to tell you about, but also they're not paying me to say anything. So I'm just like, I feel some type of way about that, but that's all right. So first I have a referral link to book of the month, which is a book subscription service. It's monthly. You pay $14.99 and they send you a new hardback cover book. And you know, hardback covers are like, they were actually really expensive. They're like $25 to $28. Some of them are even like in the thirties. So I'm like, ooh, wee. So yeah, you're getting a a brand new hardcover book for $14.99 a month. And then you can also add on like some books to your book box. You can add two books on, for $9.99 each so basically you can get two more books two more brand new hardcover books for $9.99 each and you can just add them to your box and then you can like roll over the credit if you don't use it for the next month like it's 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 actually really cool so if you want to know more about that go to my episode details click on my link (laughs) specifically my link thank you so I can get some so I can get some credits please please help me <laughs> um and yeah, you can learn more about it at com, Or you ain't gotta use my link, but use it because you know you know I read a lot, so you know you know, you know the credits gonna get used. I'm just saying. But anyway, there's also an affiliate link for Libro.fm, which could be a really great alternative to using Audible by Amazon. Um Libro.fm is great because it's all audiobooks right now. And the money that you spend there will go to independent bookstores. It goes to one of your choice. So my independent bookstore that I support when I buy from Libro.fm is Third Eye Bag in Portland, Oregon. I have talked about them before, but I've had such a great buying experience from them. Um, I've bought many a book from them, especially when I lived very close to them, the books came in like a day. Like I was very impressed with the service. They did a great job. And I think now they also have a new location in Portland, Oregon. So if you live in the area or if you're visiting the area, definitely check out uh, Third Eye, <laughs> Third Eye Bags. I almost like plugged myself. I was like, definitely check out Lit Pot. I mean, yes, but definitely if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, check out Third Eye Bag, Third Eye Books. Um, they're great people uh and i wasn't able to go to the shop before i left Oregon actually so you you know i'll live vicariously through your visit um <laughs> and then my last referral link i have is through bookshop.org which is also for independent bookstores but it's uh for physical books i think it's for physical books and maybe ebooks as well i don't know if they have audiobooks yet on there but um yeah if you want to support you can support i think a lot of the independent books are on there and you can choose to support whatever one or you can use my link and support me so when you use my link i have like i can do these things called curated like book lists or whatever and i only have one up there right now i'm like working on it i'm still curating it but i have some books in there right now it's all like contemporary romance stuff i will say most of the books i have up there are very hetero romances i'm so sorry. I will work on my, I will work on diversifying that ASAP when I get, well, when I get some time. I will, I'll have more things. As I keep reading more things, I can add more things. And then that's also another great way for you to be like, okay, well, I'm in the mood for this. Let me see what Kerwin has in this list and that kind of thing. So yeah, if you want, if you're interested, use those links. If not, that's okay. You listening is really enough. So let's, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening. And let's get back to... Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, yes. Okay. Hi. Hello. Let's get back to the show. So next up, we have Media Mail, which is all things media. So we have our music spotlight first. I'm going to be talking about Joni Yano. So Joni Yano was born in Hiroshima and later immigrated to Vancouver, Canada in his youth. He plays piano and guitar. He began recording music on his phone in 2016. In 2019, he signed to Innovative Leisure, which released his debut EP, Nervous where he collaborated with Bad Bad Not Good. The following year, he released his debut album, Souvenir, and that tackles themes of identity, loss, and reconnection. One of my favorite songs on the album is called Songs, which was based on a pair of shoes that his father got for him as a child. So this is a direct quote from one of the articles that I linked below in the show notes. I think I was like three years old, but what I remember my mom telling me is that like I asked for a specific pair of shoes that were themed after a Japanese superhero called Ultraman. And they specifically had, like, light-up heels, and yeah, he got them for me, and I wore them. His lyrics in Japanese are the song he originally wrote back when I was a very young child. So yeah, his father is also a musician, a musician, and they collaborated on the song Shoes together after reconnecting in 2019. This is another quote. In the recording that he made that I ended up singing over, he left these gaps between his verses. And so I saw these gaps as, like, a place for me to say what I wanted to say. And so all the lyrics that are in English are my lyrics and like things I wanted to say to him. This is a quote about one of my favorite songs on the album It's called Strawberry. The whole narrative of the song is sort of young me looking in the mirror wondering who and what I'm supposed to be. The lyrics are sort of inspired by this moment that I had when I was a kid and eating dinner at my grandma's house in Vancouver. And for like 10 or 15 minutes, I was like looking in the mirror. I was like, mom, everybody, look, like, look at me, I'm white like I look white and they're like no you don't you're so stupid like you're not white and I didn't really think much of it until I became an adult and I was like wow that is actually a really dark thing that happened this like cultural dysmorphia kind of feeling that I had when I was a kid um so yeah I love this album from start to finish I think it made me love it even more once I started learning about Jonah and like reading about the meaning of his songs. The song Strawberry Slaps and the emotion behind it makes it even more intense. Um I linked the articles that I used to put this section together and I definitely encourage you to read through those links if you feel if you feel like it. And obviously listen to the album. Um every time I listen to it it like transports me to this very emotional place and I'm just very here for it um it's an album that i have had on repeat for a while now uh that and like willow obviously um (laughs) but yeah um i really like joe jonah yano and um i'm really glad that i decided to look into him as an artist and learn about his story and that really made me love his album even more so yeah if you're interested check him out next up we have the podcast corner so during quarantine, I was mindlessly consuming a lot of media from music to podcasts to YouTube videos, specifically booktube videos. I was on TikTok nonstop. I found queer TikTok, witchy TikTok, book talk, AMBW TikTok, thirst, is, it, is thirst trap TikTok a thing? Because I feel like I found that too. Um, I was always on Instagram, Twitter all of the streaming services i had them all i was watching so much content but i wasn't thinking about any of it critically which i felt was kind of dangerous it got to the point where i like i felt like i had too many voices in my head um on social media i was like following a lot of like news accounts and people who had very strong opinions on the news very biased views and i just felt like there was just so much like misinformation and like disinformation just going around and it was hard to decipher which one was which And I was constantly being told to care about every single thing that was wrong with the world. And I started to feel overwhelmed because it was like, I just felt like I wasn't like doing enough. The first podcast I'm going to talk about is Techish, a podcast about the intersection of tech, pop culture and life. The hosts are two black Brits that are in the tech industry and basically cover news stories about tech and how new tech developments affect marginalized groups. After 30 minutes, I feel very entertained, I feel informed, Um, and they give me a lot to think about critically, like, every week. So, I'm very grateful for that, and the fact that, like, I can kind of just look up these stories and get my own, like, information and craft, like, uh, a coherent thought about things, too. So, it's like, I feel like I can, like, okay... They break the story for me and then I can like take that story and look it up and just like go more into it. So I so choose. So I so choose. If I so choose to. Oh, Lord. Okay, so next up we have flourish in the foreign, flourish in the foreign. Say that three times fast. Flourish in the foreign, flourish in the foreign. (laughs) Oh, actually, maybe that's not that hard. Okay, anyway, next up we have flourish in the foreign this podcast was recommended to me by my sister shout out to you it's about black women living abroad not just living abroad but thriving abroad our host christine interviews these women and they talk about the process getting their visas how to rent an apartment you know is it actually a better quality of life to move abroad for black women specifically um dating you know my favorite thing to talk about how are we perceived and how to prepare to move abroad as well like even if you're moving alone as a couple or as a family, the podcast has truly enriched my life. And if you are a black woman or QT BIPOC person who wants to move abroad and need more information, this is a great starting point. I've always wanted to move abroad, but kept letting people talk me out of it. But like listening to this podcast is helping me get ready for my adventures abroad in the future. So I'm very excited. I just feel like this place is so noisy today i feel like the day that i decided to record this podcast there are dogs barking this person keeps like starting and killing the engine i'm just like can you fuck off dude please like i just don't understand they're just like in the parking lot just chilling turning on and off the engine and they're not even like getting a jump or anything they're just making noise (laughs) ah, i'm just like i feel like i'm going nuts, and i'm not re-recording this over i want you all to see that this is like real life. This is how you record a podcast when you are just a person with a phone and an idea. Okay? Next up, <laughs> we have My Non-Binary Life. This is a limited podcast about Caitlin Benedict going through their journey as non-binary. They did this podcast as a way to come out and the conversations around gender, gender identity, expression, gender roles, sex, and being perceived were very eye-opening. Lots... They gave me lots of things to think critically about um when it comes to our bodies and how they're not only viewed just by us but by other people and the assumptions that come with those things also i love the episode where they talked about if non-binary has like a look like you know does it look like one thing the answer is no obviously non-binary people do not look the same and that the non-binary also does not equal androgyny which I think sometimes people do get kind of hung up on. So yeah, I if you want to expand your mind in that way, highly recommend the podcast. I think it's a great starting point. Boom. So next up, we have Black Queer Love, a limited series podcast by Black Queer Folk Exploring. Relationships, sex, love, pop culture, life, art, and more. So there are only like three episodes that I could find on this podcast, and I looked everywhere. Um, but I really enjoyed... The black queer people having conversations about ethical non-monogamy and polyamory i don't know about y'all but when like polyamory was introduced to me it was like it was marketed as like white people shit for real like i didn't know anyone personally who was black or poc who practiced in this lifestyle and i remember it on tv it was portrayed as like threesomes and it was all about sex when you like saw it in the media and so i remember watching something on like bravo i think i think there was like an episode where they explored polyamory they were um talking to like this white triad and of course you know like the structure was just like a man and two women and I just also feel like we never really see like two men and one woman like I don't know I feel like polyamory now is a lot more mainstream and I've been doing the reading because as we know polyamory and ethical non-monogamy are not just about sex it's about you know having many loves and actually like (sighs) getting to know people and having like stronger connections and whatnot. I mean, I honestly, there's a lot of freedom in that space to design what kind of relationship that will work for you. So I thought that that was very cool. Um, But it was just great to hear black people talking about their experiences and people that were just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, growing up, I was taught monogamy and monogamy was all I knew. And then when I tried this, I was like, oh, damn, like this actually works better for me because blah, 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 blah so there's only three episodes that i could find i looked on like uh what's that place called not Soundhound. oh lord oh what is that other place called oh, it's like on the tip of my tongue what is that other podcast thing called get out of here it's like podcast and audio i think like soundcloud yes that's what it's called it's called soundcloud i even looked on soundcloud and there was I think it was on there and it was just the same three and I like googled the podcast and I was just like I could only find those three so I think there used to be more episodes but I guess they got deleted for some reason or whatever Um, I'd be curious to find out what happened to it because I feel like there was more but moving on another podcast that I've been listening to for a while is the hookup it talks about sex love relationships uh, covers things such as body image partners that haven't come out yet dating while sober and etc etc they have people who submit their experiences with different aspects of dating and they also bring in professionals to further break things down for us um this is also another really short podcast that comes out weekly um and i feel very enriched afterwards feel very informed and I I don't know that I necessarily feel entertained because it's just, it's definitely to like inform you of like experiences and have you think critically on those things, especially if you're going through that particular theme that they're talking about that week. But yeah, I recommend it. Um, and then the last podcast I wanted to talk about is the minority corner, corner with a K. It is commentary on the news, pop culture, media, and history from a sexy queer blurred. That is a sexy black nerd. Um, it's news without making me feel helpless or hopeless. And uh, that's really all I could ask for in a podcast, if I'm being honest. So next, I'm going to talk about what I've been watching on the TV or or what I've been streaming, really. Um, so I've been obsessed with the Doghouse UK. It's on HBO Max. The show is about this dog rescue and adoption center um, that rehomes dogs basically people's circumstances change sometimes and they can't give the dogs like what they need um and so this place finds a loving home for them to go and it will make you happy it will make you cry I love their process of matching each dog with the perfect family or new owner it's very thoughtful but it's also very just like asking everyone to be very realistic about their expectations and realistic about their current lifestyle like you know, if you know you don't want a dog that sheds, you know, because you don't want hair all over your clothes, you wouldn't get, you know what I mean? Like they wouldn't put you with a dog like that. They like, think about your lifestyle. They ask you all these really like thoughtful questions and they're like asking you to be honest about your lifestyle. So I think that it's great. Um, And some of the people there too have very interesting lives as well. Um, but I love the show It it's just like an emotional roller coaster but a good one I would say if you are like in need of a good cry have at it next up I watched Master of None on Netflix I watched season three I thought it was fantastic Um, the cinematography was absolutely amazing it follows Denise and Alicia two lesbians living in this bomb ass cabin in the woods The home decor was full of black ass art and vintage furniture. It was a whole mood. Denise is a best selling author and Alicia is a successful vintage furniture seller. The main theme is them trying to start a family together. Denise doesn't really want kids, but Alicia does. Um, We see a very raw picture of different steps of that process. There are, um, you know, there is the theme of having a miscarriage and going through IVF and the sequences of, yeah, Alicia going through IVF. Um, I got very emotional watching Alicia go through the IVF process. Uh, before watching this, I was not very familiar with it. I knew the IVF was something that helped women get pregnant, who had trouble getting pregnant, um, but I wasn't sure what that process looked like and I didn't, as a person who like doesn't really want kids, I didn't really feel the need to like look into it. Um, so I was not very familiar with what that process looked like. And seeing a queer black woman making it happen for herself was very emotional. And I do remember like just bawling my eyes out at like that specific episode. Um, and like what I will say about the episodes is how they're kind of not paced, but timed, I guess. Like each I think there's I believe there's only five episodes and the longest episode is like an hour long. But the rest of them are like 20 minutes or 30 minutes or something like that. Um so yeah it's 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 interesting how they how they did that and I don't I don't know why they did it and I I don't think it took anything away from the show. Um I I I just thought it was interesting. So I was like great, okay. So one thing I will say, I didn't care for the infidelity. Um I just felt well that's like with any show. I just I've just been seeing so much infidelity on TV especially during the pandemic and I'm over it. Um, I want to see more meaningful conversations between couples about what would make each other happier. I'd love to see people having more conscious uncouplings on t v uh people people change, and everyone has the right to explore as long as everyone is on the same page like also, I'd love to see a show about like friendships that don't focus on you know the love lives of each friend but like actual friendships and I'd love to see more black, queer people being single on purpose and practicing self care Without spending a dime, because my love don't cost a thing. Yes. So, yeah, it's just, you know, like that's the kind of stuff I wanna see on TV. And I know I have friends that are like, girl, you wanna see boring stuff on TV. And I'm like, I don't think it would be boring. I think that there are like POC, black, BIPOC, queer people, queer writers that can make these stories come alive and make them interesting and make them thought provoking as well. Like, I don't think that that would be boring TV because I feel like if, we're both aware that we can't meet each other's needs and we've been trying, then like, what's the next step? You know what I mean? Like, you know, what's, what's, what's really the next step if we're being realistic with each other? If we, you know what I mean? You say you got this love for me, like you say you do, then like, let's work this out or let's decide like, okay, we're gonna consciously uncouple or whatever that looks like or whatever. I would also, I think it would be really cool to see like long-term relationships on TV, people that like have been together for like I don't know 10 years but they still don't live together like they still have their own personal space and they're just like fine I would love to see that kind of stuff on TV too there's just like so much stuff I would love to see on TV that we're just like not seeing and I just I I think that like we need more diverse writers I don't know I just I think we need to put some newer voices out here who can make that stuff like interesting because apparently i like boring things and it's fine or whatever i don't think it would be boring i think that would be very interesting to see very eye-opening as well another show i've been watching is my mad fat diary i just finished season one um this show follows rachel aka ray aka ray mundo who is a 16 year old who returns to school after spending time in a psychiatric hospital she starts to reconnect with her best friend and adopts her friends as her own as well and tries to hide her mental health and body image issues from her new friends in the process. Um the series is narrated mostly by Ray as if she's writing in her diary about everything. So we know how she feels about everything that happens to her. Um it's funny and it's I just believe that this is some of the best like fat representation I've seen on TV in a long time. Um I love the character Ray. She's very complex. She has she's like an onion. She has layers. I'm I'm loving it and so do her friends like I just feel like as the show is progressing I just feel like you know we're learning a little bit more about her friends and you know they're also very complex too even though like surface level they you know at first they were showing very like surface level things and now we're we're starting to get deeper into some of those storylines so I I love it and I can't wait to start season two okay now this next show I have critiques, but I did like it, but I have critiques, so I watched the show Run the World. I believe Run the World is on stars. Now it follows four friends living in New York uh for me, it felt like the black version of Sex in the City, or at least that was like the the mood that it kind of gave me. I love that this show was about characters in their 30s trying to still figure it out, you know what I mean? Like we, I think when we talk about our 20s, we're like, that's when I made all my mistakes. But once I got to 30, I was done. And it's like, no, like we're still struggling in our 30s. So I love that. Um, I, let me start with my biggest critique. I have a huge problem with the character Brian in the show. Um, I just felt like his character felt very undone. The actor's name is James Chen. And after looking him up, you know, he's been out here working. He's a very good actor. Um, you know, he's he's very, like, seasoned. His acting on the show was great, even though it was kind of short-lived, I felt like. We are introduced to his character as having used to work with and have a crush on Ella, who's one of the, our main characters, a beautiful Black woman with a shaved head, very fashionable. I think we might think of her as, like, the carry of the show, who is a writer and published her first book and, you know is trying to recover from a failed debut. And so they go home with each other after the club. And now I thought that this was gonna be a great opportunity, you know, to see Brian out here slanging that thing, okay? Like I, I just, I, I had such high hopes cause I was like, oh, like this is setting up for like a sex scene. And I was like, okay, here we are. So my expectations were so high for this show. And I, I, I just wanted to see him slang that thing. But instead they gave Brian whiskey dick. And I just want to say that I'm just so tired of Asian characters in general getting the short end of the stick in media. Like what are we doing? Immediately when I saw like their like chemistry on camera between Ella and Brian, I was I thought of Andrew from Insecure, Andrew and Molly. And like what a great job they did with that character specifically. Like his sex scenes were fantastic. But furthermore, the acting was there also, and I felt like this character was needed, and he was also like fully flushed fleshed out, you know, fully fleshed out, fleshed out. Um, in Run the World, I felt like they threw Brian away, like after episode one, and they could have really set him up to either be like a love interest to Ella, or we could have seen them become friends. And like, he could have been like, you know, giving her advice on like her true love, Anderson. You know brian could have also joined like the boyfriend group like all the boyfriends of the women characters like usually hung out with each other so like he could have joined that group gave them more perspective as like being single or whatever you know like but instead i just feel like they ended his appearance on the show in like a super weird and awkward way and it just felt very incomplete and i want justice For Brian, a.k.a. James Chen. Like, I just thought, like, they just threw him away. And I just, like, did not appreciate that. It's like, he just felt like an incomplete character. And I was like, if you're gonna, you know, have this character, use him. I just felt like he wasn't used in a good way. Like, they could have gone so many ways with this character and they just didn't. And so that really made me upset because I want to see all POC, BIPOC, Black people, queer people. I want to see us win. I want to see us win, and I want to see us getting roles that, like, have depth. Like, I, I want to see us acting. I want to see us slanging that thing. That's what I want to see. I want to see us slanging that thing. Okay, so besides that, I thought the show was fine. Like, it was funny. The outfits were fire. Um, but I did want more for this show. I, I want more for this show for the second season. I did feel like the writing was a little weak. I'm not going to lie, but I'm manifesting more character development in the next season. And I don't know if they had an intimacy coordinator on set, but I hope that that would be something that they feel like the set would benefit from next time. Uh, but I also don't know if they have one or not. So, but if they don't, I think that they would benefit from that for sure. Um Another thing. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me talk about the ladies because I didn't even talk about the ladies. I only talked about Ella. So... We have Whitney, who is like a busy exec type. She works in this really nice office. Um, she's very successful, very good at her job. Just clients, you know, um, and is with her, I believe she's with her college sweetheart and feels like she missed out on like ghosting and like using Tinder and like the other apps and having one night stands and all the messiness of her twenties. And she's feeling left out because she didn't have any of that because she was in a loving relationship. Um, And then we have Renee, who is this loud and confident, successful Black woman working in television, is going through a divorce, um, where the conversation of dating up or down comes into play. Like, are Black women expected to take care of a man who has, like, dreams of starting their own business? But it's been years, and they haven't even gotten it off the ground. There's no, like, there's no business plan. There's no nothing. And so she had this expectation of how her life was supposed to go, you know, and she feels like she's not hitting it, and she feels like, you know this man kind of hindered me in my process. And so, you know, she's feeling like she wasted her good years. And then we have Sandy, who is dating her advisor or her ex-professor, I believe. They aren't married, but they live together with his child from another marriage. And there are themes of fucking up. Now, when we say fucking up, that means like fucking someone like in a higher tax bracket or fucking like someone who could like advance your career or whatever so she was being people were saying like oh you're fucking up like you're you know you're trying to further yourself by having sex and by being this and by doing that and so you know Sandy was just like that's not what i'm doing and i want to actually be my own person and i don't want to be under the shadow of my boyfriend's like academic and career shadow like i want to do my own thing so she's trying to get like out of that shadow so clearly i had criticism of the show but I found it very entertaining and I would be thrilled about season two. And actually, I got confirmation because I looked on Instagram there will be a season two. And I'm very excited to see the growth in our characters. And I am curious to see if Brian will be back. Justice for Brian. His, oh my God, his name is not Brian. His real name is James Chen. I would love to see him uh, being used in this show if they decide to bring him back or whatever. So we'll see what happens. And the last point that I'm gonna leave on is, there's a show coming out that's called The Activist, where six contestants will compete against each other to promote health, educational, or environmental causes online. The contestants will compete through online engagement and social metrics. Then they will meet with quote unquote world leaders at at the G20 summit to ask for funding. Whoever gets the largest amount of funding wins. Um, I got this information from the account Impact on Instagram. um the show is hosted by Usher Priyanka Chopra and Julianne Hugh. Um so I think that this show is unnecessary, and honestly, I think it's a little exploitative. Um Is that the word exploitative exploitative exploitative? I'm gonna say exploitative. I'm gonna commit activism doesn't need to be a reality competition show all the money that they would spend to create this show, that could be donated to, like, grassroots organizations, or if you really want to help people. People have their cash apps. People who need help, you know, have their cash apps on, you know, and are constantly sharing their stories on Instagram. Look for those people and, like, give them the money. Because I'm like, you still have to pay these three celebrities. You still have to pay the cameraman, the crew, all of this stuff. And so it's like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, like, we want to give these people's, you know, we want to give these people jobs. But at the same time i just feel like this this is just like a little tone deaf um you know as we know like activism is not a well-paid job but the work is still done by people who are passionate about changes that need to be made so maybe that money could have went to activists because you know the pay isn't good for activism as we know um you know and some of these people have other jobs and they're still choosing to put their, you know, their time, their money, their their passion into these things, into these causes that are very important to them. So I just feel like this is very tone deaf. I feel like while this isn't surprising, you know, people are like profiting off of change, or profiting off of like trauma, profiting off of like activism, you know, and and activists and like their work. And it's disappointing that these celebrities, teams thought that this would be a good look for them because it's definitely not um it just shows kind of how far removed celebrities are from real life and it's kind of a shame that we that somebody was like oh this would be such a great show it's not a good idea this this idea is not good um it looks like they're gonna go ahead and go go ahead with the idea which i guess is fine i hope i don't know I don't even know i just think this is tone deaf and i don't think that this should be happening i just feel like all that money could be going towards like actual activists in their organizations and people who actually need help um but maybe that's just me i don't know but anyway thanks for listening and i will see you in october all right bye